At Solid Rock Personal Training, we are on a mission to help individuals transform their lives. We do this by having fun in our workouts, building relationships with the people we work out next to, and by having the best coaches to make sure your form is perfect. Our heartbeat is love God, love people, and we show our love by helping people look good, move well, and feel great. Welcome back to the Solid Rock Personal Training Podcast. Today, I am joined by Dr. Yeeman with Balance Hormone Clinic, and we are going to be talking about hormone balance and why it's so important. So without further ado, uh, Dr. Yeeman, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, how you got into your profession of hormone balance, and just kind of give us a little bit of background about who you are. Um I'm Brian Yeaman. I'm a, a family physician. I uh, grew up here in Norman, Oklahoma. I did uh, University of Oklahoma for undergrad, for med school, and then uh, I did Tufts in Boston for residency in family medicine. I practiced in family medicine for over 15 years here in Norman, uh, doing primary care, taking care of a lot of patients with obesity, asthma, diabetes, heart failure, emphysema, you name it. So I've, I've seen a lot of uh, chronic medical conditions as a result of not taking care of the body, not managing metabolic processes well, uh, ignoring some of the effects of hormones and doing more of a traditional type of practice and was able to do, I think, a lot of good to help people. But um, and, and then I also did 15 years of active inpatient medicine. So I took care of patients in the ICU. I took care of patients in the hospital and in the emergency room. And so, again, I've seen a lot of a lot in healthcare, and, um, you know, really began to kind of expand what I was doing with managing blood sugars, being more proactive, managing weight, managing uh, thyroids uh, more proactively, actually a lot like thyroid used to be managed in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, uh, and, and even 80s prior to um, some of the synthetics hitting the market. So, you know, I, I kind of took a step back within my own practice, recognizing by addressing some of these core issues around the body's function better, we started to see an improvement in all their conditions. You know, where it might have taken me three medicines to get there just by balancing their thyroid a little bit better, we started to change a lot of things. And so at that point in time, I went back, I did some further training around hormone replacement and really started to shift my practice about five years ago deeper into hormone replacement, also metabolic conditions and weight loss. So I think that that breadth and depth of my experience in healthcare has really helped me see a lot of things differently. Uh, recognize how the metabolic process with patients affects that foundational layer. So, you know, there's a lot that you can do with hormones to help a woman through perimenopause or menopause, to help a man through lower testosterone. But if you aren't looking at some, to some extent at the bigger picture, you know, you, in terms of fine tuning that person and helping them really achieve some sustainability in their health, uh, to not yo-yo their weight, much of the things that you guys are trying to accomplish with them in terms of uh, core strength and decreasing visceral fat, decreasing body fat, right? But also helping them create stamina and helping them create uh, their, their ability to rebound and recover from these workouts with the high intensity, it's that quick turnover, right? Yeah. And so how can 
I help them on the medical front in a physical sense, but then also the, the impact in a, in a medical sense. And then lastly, perhaps the most powerful part of all of it is the emotional impact. So how this affects their mood, how this affects how they feel about themselves, how it affects their relationships and their intimacy. So all those things are big. Absolutely, man. You just unpacked a lot of different things right there. Let's go back to metabolic health. So for our audience who doesn't know what metabolic health is, could you just like simplify and explain what metabolic health is and like what are some of the main issues that you see just the general population having um, that's causing them to have issues with their metabolic health? You know, I think a lot of people understand the word, you know, you hear the word metabolism a lot, right? But what is metabolic health and what does that mean? And so I explain to patients every day, your liver is basically the processor for your body. Your heart's a pump, your brain's a, a, a CPU, it's controlling a lot of the factors and signals within your body, but the liver is really determining your metabolic rate. It's also profoundly affecting your blood sugars. It's profoundly, it is responsible for your cholesterol levels. And so one of the unfortunate things that happens in the American diet is we have added sugar to everything. So we, you know, fats and lipids, cholesterol are long chains of, of sugars. So those fatty acids basically accumulate within the liver and you get fatty liver. So the liver becomes less productive. So people's metabolic rate goes down. So in terms of affecting that metabolic health, you can't shift and lose weight if the liver is all congested and backed up. Mm -hmm. So that fatty liver really is slowing their metabolism. And this all starts from just added artificial sugars, I sweeteners. I think so much of it really does is the high carb diets and the, and the added sugars to everything. And so that really promotes fatty liver, which is, you know, an epidemic in, in America, you know, I think somewhere between 60% or maybe even higher of Americans now have fatty liver. It is so prevalent and so common. And basically it's a, it's a period of stasis. So we never deplete our glycogen stores. So not only is your, your liver determining your metabolism, it's helping to regulate your blood sugars through a mechanism called glycogen. So that glycogen is basically your battery. So that's what the body burns through. When glycogen's finally depleted, you can start to burn fat. However, that takes six to eight hours. Okay. We eat all the time and we eat high sugar all the time. And so we never really deplete our glycogen stores. And so that's one of the things that's profoundly challenging about diet in, in America is, you know, someone gets frustrated because they're doing a 1200 calorie a day diet and they're working out, you know, every day and they're not losing weight. Well, they're still getting 200 total grams of sugar. It's not that hard to do. And the liver says, Hey, we have had enough. And so it just turns that metabolism down because I always, you know, try to explain in terms of that metabolic process, the, the body treats fat like we would treat our retirement right? We don't want to touch our retirement unless we just absolutely have to when it comes to our finances. Well, on the body's balance sheet, the liver says, hey, you know, I don't want to touch, you know, my fat in the body because that's my reserve. The liver doesn't know that there's a grocery store on every corner. It doesn't know that there's a restaurant in every corner. So the body's always preparing itself for a long fast. 
Dude, that's a great analogy. I actually use that same analogy when I'm coaching people in here training. I tell them to view their fitness in the way they come in here to train every single day like their retirement account. You get that compounding effect. So if you just focus on consistency, right. doing a little bit each day, taking it nice and slow, focusing on your form versus trying to work out super hard one day or just like you're saying, eat super healthy one day and then like fall off. You're not going to get that long-term compounding effect. But you talked about the liver. One thing I want to touch on is alcohol consumption. How does like alcohol consumption affect the liver um, as far as your metabolism goes? So, you know, again, in the American culture, that's a very prevalent thing, right? It's how we socialize. Um, however, loaded with sugar. So your choices in terms of alcohol, and, and I counsel patients this way all the time, is how you, um, how much sugar you're going to take in, and frequently that's done later in the evening, which is ultimately going to just go straight to fat because that that sugar is not being metabolized by your muscles because you're not active, and so it's actually the worst time to take in a high sugar load. Like, and I just basically explain to patients, you know. One, if you're going to choose to partake in alcohol, go with the lower sugar content and particular, in particularly pay attention to your mixers. Your wine choices, go with the lower sugar wines if, if that's what you're going to do. But ultimately, it's all going to slow down your metabolism. And that's what a lot of people tell me. Like at the end of the day, like maybe they check in with their spouses. They have a couple glasses of wine, and it's just this habit they've built over sure. time like every night. And I'm like... Now, I understand that, but maybe let's limit that because those couple of glasses of wine is just like having a dessert. Like That's exactly you, might, right. you might not think you're having a dessert, but by having a couple of glasses of wine, like you're having dessert, your body's not going to be right. able to process it and digest it, and you're just going to store That's right. all of that as I, fat. I explain that all the time. Like you might as well just have that bowl of ice cream, like, but choose. But certainly don't do both. <laughs> yeah. You know. What do you think about natural sugar? So like for me personally, I do have a sweet tooth, but um, – I ate a whole nutrient diet, I would say, about 90% of the time. And, like, for me, if I'm getting that craving, I will turn more towards, like, natural sugars, fruits, and things like that. I'll have a big plate of fruit later in the evening. Um, what's the difference between those natural sugars versus those artificial sugars, how our body kind of breaks down and metabolizes all that? You know, I, I think the artificial sweeteners, the body still interprets those as sugar. So it still does the same effect in terms of slowing down your metabolism and shifting that liver to a point to where you know it's not going to burn fat it says we've got enough energy for today we're done yeah. but um, the natural sugars process much cleaner they shift your glycemic index much less you don't see a lot of fatty liver in europe because most of their sugar is coming via you know natural sugars within foods Okay. And so that's really the biggest difference, you know, and we add high fructose corn syrup to everything. But I think even artificial sweeteners really dramatically slow down metabolism. Diet Coke, you know, and aspartame and those types of things, I, I really do believe that uh, they dramatically affect neurologic effects. You know, so migraines and chronic tension headaches and those types of things, I've seen those repeatedly. And I get patients off the diet drinks and things change dramatically and so um, I tell them it's the same thing you know a coke is a candy bar in a cup but your diet soda is I think doing the same thing metabolically to your body absolutely and you touched on it at the beginning of the podcast but like mental health so like from my understanding our gut health 
has a big impact on our mental health. So you talked about how like balancing your hormones and things like that. You see a pretty significant, uh, change in men who have low T levels and things like that. Could you just explain the effect that, uh, it has on your mental health? You know, so bowel health is a, is a whole big topic all by itself, but really that comes down to inflammation within the body. So I, you know, to, I try to keep things simple for patients and explain things in the way that they can understand. But in a, in a way, your bowel is like a giant compost pile. It's fermenting. And so that's creating heat. That's creating um, potential inflammation. So your bowel can retain a tremendous amount of fluid. And the visceral fat, the high density fat that's around the bowel, that promotes heart disease, diabetes, stroke, cancers. So we know that good bowel health correlates to one, a healthier body today, but also for tomorrow in terms of reduced cancer risk. So th those things are significant. I consider bowel health, you know, as I look at kind of, we're an organism, right? So one of the challenges, one of the problems of Western medicine is we have a specialist for every organ and every disease. So we get out our microscopes really quickly and we forget to take a step back and look at the whole person together as one. And I think that's one of the challenges. So one of the things that we really try to do within our practice, but I think in the practice of functional medicine where you're looking at patients and you're saying, okay, what's going on with your body as a whole? How are these organ systems working together? Our autonomic nervous system, when our gut health is not well, our autonomic nervous system controls our our heart, our lungs, it controls our bowels, it controls uh, our sexual functions. So arousal and um, erections in men are really via the autonomic system, the autonomic nervous system. When the gut and the bowel's not healthy and your hormones are off, that autonomic nervous system sends a signal that says, I'm distressed, I don't feel good. When you have an upset stomach, when you injure your elbow, when you have a headache, that's the autonomic nervous system sending a signal to say something's not quite right with the body and wants to slow you down. And then here comes cortisol, the stress hormone, yeah. to try to kind of calm the body. But the emotional net effect of that is more depression, more anxiety, that feeling unsettled, something's not right, something's not quite set with our, with our body. And so that affects our mind. We're an organism. All these pieces work together. And so the, the autonomic nervous system balance is really a key component within hormone replacement, within bowel health. Absolutely within what you guys are doing in terms of physical exercise and your endorphins and how that affects your catecholamines and how that affects you know, your serotonin levels and your dopamine levels, that reward pathway. And so all those pieces work together when your hormones are balanced, your bowel is balanced, your, your brain will be much more balanced. You know, that's one of the things I love about what we do. So, if, you know, we all know like very well, if you can get a person working out, their mood comes up significantly and, and their energy comes up significantly, right? If you balance that with hormones and you balance that with um, good bowel health, ultimately, that's another factor that you can get to in terms of consistency and maintaining that. Uh, and when you good say health. like good bowel health, you mean like 
proper like whole nutrient intake to affect that bowel health is that what you mean by that exactly yeah absolutely so you know bowel motility will slow down with a higher fat diet so more chronic constipation when thyroid's not regulated right sometimes you get irritable bowel and you have oscillating diarrhea loose stools and constipation Um, absolutely taking in higher fiber foods and um, maintaining that bowel regularity so fibers calming to the bowel so you know some of the fiber supplements are are very helpful Um, but also in terms of um, comes back to your diet right all of the sugars those types of things you know begin to affect your your stomach the gastric motility which then sets so you know in terms of the bowels the stomach's the quarterback right so the stomach controls the rest of the bowel and sends the signals on when things need to move and so um, so much comes back to your diet in terms of your your gut and your bowel health but again you begin to see how when you unpack that it affects that an autonomic nervous system it begins to affect the rest of your endocrine system your hormones right your glands absolutely and the liver is a gland and so it fits in that pathway Absolutely. We use a, a machine here called the InBody 570, and whenever we do that, like we can look at visceral fat, so the fat around people's organs. But what I notice when we do what's called a fat analysis on there, the vast majority, I would say almost probably 100% of people that I've personally scanned on it, they store the majority of their fat in what's called their trunk, their core, their back, everywhere, like right around their organs and everything like that. And why? Why do you, you think that is? I I believe your answer is going to be nutrition, but like, why is everyone storing so much fat in their, in their gut right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Our, our high sugar diets, right? That leads to fatty liver, which then leads to slower bowel motility, which leads to more visceral fat, which, so, you know, you see those guys, um, you know, one of the best examples for what it is someone you know we all know those older guys who drink a lot of alcohol but don't eat much food right they all have those big bellies but they don't have a lot of fat anywhere else because when you take in high sugar it all goes right to that visceral fat guess what those guys also die early right so inflammation heart disease diabetes you know cancers so that all feeds back to that same sort of loop so i think that um you know really looking at your diet and your life as a whole keeping those blood sugars down trying to maintain a healthy bowel trying to maintain good sleep trying to maintain uh, good physical fitness you know it all it all goes back to the whole in how we feel um I think the other major factor in terms of uh, visceral fat, but also central fat, is cortisol. So cortisol is a stress hormone. So your adrenal glands make adrenaline, and we all live on adrenaline. It's a high-tension, high-stress society. We're go, 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 right? So from the moment we wake up, our phones are dinging till the moment we go to sleep, and then sometimes in the middle of the night, right? Social media, constant stimulation constant stress that maybe doesn't necessarily need to be there constantly the news they're going to give you every bad piece of information that happened across the globe because that's what keeps you coming back through the commercial breaks however maintaining those high adrenaline levels all the time 
ultimately the adrenals begin to fatigue. When the adrenals fatigue, the body says, oh, I'm in trouble, I'm in a stress state. Here comes cortisol. That cortisol then, once it's, that stress hormone says, slow down, eat something sweet, lie down and heal. Because we didn't have hospitals in the past when we were hunters and gatherers. Yeah. And so that's how the body protected itself. Now it's not quite so adaptive because we have food everywhere and we have hospitals. However, the body, again, just doesn't know that. So those cortisol levels come up and it really begins to feed this vicious cycle of more fatigue, more weight, worsening diet. It makes you carb crave. And so all those things start feeding into one another and health begins to really decline rapidly. Um, so that's one of the things that, again, you know, getting the proper exercise, proper sleep, good muscle fitness, leaner muscle means so much in terms of managing your blood sugars, but uh, also what that does for you in terms of your cardiovascular health and then obviously your mental health. Yeah, absolutely. I could go down a rabbit hole talking about like hunter-gatherer society yeah. and like our primal roots of like where we came from and like stuff along the lines of like the paleo diet. Um, you talked about the stimulation. So like what I see a lot of is people on Instagram, Facebook, just hooked up to social media. Then when they get home, they're hooked up to Netflix. So that constant stimulation, I feel like affects people mo people's moods. I know it affects mine. Like I started getting down on myself, yeah. depressed, but does that – you're saying that like kind of causes you to like have those cravings and things like that being stimulated constantly? Fight or flight. Fight or flight. You're constantly stimulating fight or flight. I got, I'm going to miss this episode. I haven't seen this. I haven't seen that. Yeah. What are they doing? You know, well, where's this family traveled to, you know, and, or what political thing is going to get me all stirred up and emotional today? And how many hours of news can I really watch? Right. 100%. So those things just keep us tied up and twisted and emotional. And so those, that adrenaline, your, your body only has so much. Like we know we can only go so long without sleeping or without eating. You can only go so long with being in this high stress state without then beginning to see a deterioration of the physical body. It's more than just the emotional state. The physical consequences of that are significant. And I think that that really gets profoundly overlooked. There's no silver bullet in terms of medicine and cortisol. I have some supplements that I use with folks to try to help manage their cortisol, but it's really actually about all rebuilding their adrenaline. Sleep, good healthy diet, physical activity in your strength, all your strength training, but I think a lot of your core training, but also those natural endorphins that you're getting help you sleep better, help you restore better, recover, and ultimately bring down cortisol. But we gotta unwire, we gotta unhook because that is that creates so much stress. And I, I absolutely believe it drives this cycle. That there's a good reason why, you know, things like ADHD are on the uptick with children. You know, when I grew up we didn't have an iPad in our hands from the time that we could, you know, click a button, right? Yeah. What, what's happening now? It's overstimulated. You know, we're, we're overstimulated. 100%. 100%. I completely agree. We just always have something that's like, go, 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 yes. go. And we're just always hooked up. What are some, on another note, what are some signs like, so y'all do blood work. What If someone were to come into your <laughs> clinic, you do blood work to kind of see what their levels are. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yep. We do initial set of blood work to look at thyroid, blood sugars, liver function, 
uh, cortisol is really difficult to, to check. There's not a good reliable test for that. And then of course we check all the hormones. Okay. So like for a male and a female, like what are some, like two signs, two to three signs for, um, each gender, of a reason they might want to have some blood work done, uh, so they can see if they're having some hormonal or metabolic imbalances. You know, women's hormones are obviously much more complex than men because of the menstrual cycle. So for women, that perimenopausal phase really starts, you know, a lot of times maybe in the early to mid thirties, depends on babies and stress and weight and other medical conditions. And so obviously those symptoms of lower stamina, uh, lower physical recovery and lower libido. So as, as, um, those things begin to shift, those are, are more noticeable, but definitely once hot flashes start, night sweats, interrupted sleep, poor recovery, those are signs of decreasing progesterone. So testosterone will drop first for women. That's energy, stamina, that get up and go, libido. Uh, progesterone will start to drop second. That's those night sweats. So not necessarily full on hot flashes. When estrogen begins to shift, those are those daytime hot flashes. So any of those are good indicators or just a difficult time getting weight off, right? And uh, lower concentration in brain fog, thyroid issues. There's, there's a vast topic there. But um, those are all great reasons to, to have things checked to see what could be done to potentially help with optimizing your health and seeing if we can avoid some of these heavier meds that I've prescribed for almost 20 years now, you know? Like I, I get to stop antidepressants, I get to stop cholesterol meds, I get to stop blood pressure meds. I was the guy that kept adding them forever, right? So that that's exciting. Uh, on the men's side, you know, really the things that we see is we see our decreased physical get up and go, like, hey, let's go get this done instead of sitting here and talking about it. So I always say our drive in that regard. Um, for men, our libido will stay up. We'll continue to think about intimacy and sex. However, our do something about it will start to go away. It becomes too much trouble. Like, oh, I'm just too tired. Forget it. You know, but that begins to cause intimacy relation, in, uh, intimacy issues within the relationship at times. Erectile dysfunction. So low testosterone absolutely can affect uh, men's erections. Uh, metabolism, hard time getting weight off. Uh, but I think the big one, I'll be honest, even just for myself, my, my personal testosterone levels had dropped to about a hundred and I was just fatigued and had a lot of those same symptoms. But, um, my physical recovery was just in the tank, you know, so I could go out and I like to work in my yard or, or to work out. And, uh, man, my recovery was two and three days, and it used to never be that way for something that wasn't that significant of a workout. Maybe just even two or three hours was enough to make me sore and fatigued for two or three days. And so, you know, that's the, one of the biggest things for me in terms of hormone replacement is just my ability to go work, work out really aggressively, and then I can still go work in my yard for six hours, and then the next day I'm all right. I can do it again if I want. Yeah. And that that is... Uh, something that certainly went away. So all signs and symptoms of, of things that you might want to consider that uh, in terms of checking hormones, but nothing can replace physical activity and moving your body. The mental repercussions of that are significant or, or benefits of that, you know, uh, and 
the physical component of that, that core muscle strength and supporting the body. So really these things have to all come together. And that's really what I try to emphasize with patients. And so even if they have a bad back or they have, you know, really bad knees, you know, any movement is better than no movement. And then it's, it's just like we talked about earlier, building up to that, focusing on your form ultimately will improve that function. You will start to get stronger and you will start to be able to do more repetitions, but, but also just moving your body correctly goes a long ways towards preserving the body. A hundred percent. And like I said, I feel like a lot of people try to do too much too fast and then they get discouraged if they don't get that result right yeah. away. And like you said, like, view it as your retirement account, play the long game, and you're going to get better results from just a physical training aspect and a holistic health aspect. Absolutely. Dr. Yumin, do you have anything else for our audience before we hop off today? No, I just, I I love what you guys are doing. And um, I think that, uh, you know, education and understanding is key in terms of your health and your wellness. And so the more that you can do to to inform yourself and then to begin to make these incremental changes, you know, and in a slow and steady pace, that's, that's the long game. That's life's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. If you guys enjoyed today's podcast, it would mean the world to me if you like, shared, and commented on our content so we can help more people look good, move well, and feel great.